ready? Here we go. We're still awkward, so it doesn't really change much. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to the last of uh, special episodes for our video game week in Music Media May. I told you I would get it right once, and I saved it for Friday. I actually said it correctly. Um, this is our last of our kind of special one-offs that we had, and we yesterday was really cool. We got to talk to Christopher Tin, which was neat. We'll bring up and refer to some things like that, but we've kind of structured the entire week in terms of this idea is visiting as many different ideas of video game music as we could. We started with the beginning of the week with Nintendo, um, the original Nintendo, more simplistic ideas, and we're going to try and take it not necessarily as complicated as possible, but take it to a more uh, produced and orchestral end of things. So for this episode, we do have another special guest. Um, we have with us Patrick from Arizona. So he woke up early for us. Patrick, can you give us a little uh, rundown and background as to who you are and why you're here? And if you want to throw in a little peppering of your video game expertise so they can rate you on a range of me to Marissa in terms of game expertise. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, I'm here because of nepotism, because I'm your <laughs> little brother. Uh, but uh, aside from that, I'm, uh, I'm in Arizona uh, getting my doctorate for saxophone performance. Um, and I finished up my master's in performance last year at Arizona. And I uh, have a degree in music education from Penn State, um, which Marissa also graduated from. I was gonna wear, I have one Penn State shirt and uh, I wore it a couple days ago, so I didn't break it out. But, so those are my um, musical credentials, but as far as why I'm here for video game week, um, I think, you know, arguably video games are kind of what got us into music in the first place. Um, like I, I remember being a kid that would sneak around playing your versions of Legend of Zelda because I would accidentally delete your save files. Uh, it's a touchy subject. That's bold to throw that out here. Just, I'm trying to endear myself to the audience as the lovable rogue. Um, and, you know, some of those songs were some of the earliest things I remember getting attached to um, musically. And some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, I was thinking about, um, not to bury the lead, but thinking about sitting in your room, watching you play your brand new PlayStation 2 on your very first game that you got on it. And just like watching it like a hundred hour long movie. Um, so that's, you know, kind of why I'm here today and video games have helped me survive this quarantine uh, a little bit. So I'm happy to be here and talk about some of this stuff today. So I like, um... Patrick kind of hinted at it a lot. He's a nice, he has a balance between, he knew both Marissa and I, um, me obviously longer than Marissa, but has knowledge of the two. So he's a nice bridge between the two. Um, and kind of, it's been nice to talk about the stuff and I've been using, we kid and I joke with Marissa about how she has less video game knowledge, but it's been kind of nice. To, kind. It is kind. And I'm trying to be <laughs> kind in this moment. It's rare. Don't take it away. Um, <laughs> But it's been nice to use Marissa as a barometer for like um, the artistic level of the approach to stuff. So um, I warned her uh, that I'm going to put her a little in the hot seat. And I think Patrick has a little bit of expertise in things that he'll fill in gaps that I'm definitely going to miss at certain points. But Patrick segued really well. Um, 
we're going to use Final Fantasy kind of as the as the foundation for the conversation today because I think when you talk, if you want to put it in movie terms to make it a little more explainable, um, Mario was kind of like your low budget, like wasn't given as much credit as it necessarily deserved, and then it became something after the fact. Final Fantasy is like your big budget. Um, like your Marvel and your Star Wars movies that people just throw a bunch of money at because they know they're going to be great. So the, the production value is way high. Um, we're going to use the one that Patrick actually talked about initially. The first one that I ever played was um, Final Fantasy X. So we're going to use Marissa as our our music analyst. I'm going to play a tiny bit. So I think Final Fantasy X as, an, as a descriptor thing, I think it was the first time that like I understood the whole package that was being offered it was the first time that it was a game and it was always a game but it was more than that like I was invested in the characters I was invested in the story and it was the first time that I really took stock of the music on a level beyond um Mario like I knew the Mario themes but this is the first time I listened and I was like wow this fits perfect um so we will put a moderate disclaimer here if you are watching and you're you're that kind of person that doesn't like to have things spoiled we're going to talk a little bit about final fantasy 10 we're going to talk a little bit about final fantasy 7 um and touch on the remake as well which just came out so if you're that person that doesn't want to get things spoiled don't listen beyond um when we start talking about those yeah giant message there um marissa can i steal hosting from you Por favor. okay so the thing as you're Perfect. Um, the thing I'm going to play for you is, I guess, Pat, would you consider it the title theme of Final Fantasy X? I would. Like, so it's this is like the main theme and um, not too in-depth, not too crazy in terms of um, what I want you to listen to. I just want you to kind of listen to it and think about like the mood or style or what it's kind of portraying in different ways and then we'll go from there because I think... Um, I think it's a very good example of Final Fantasy music and what it does. Because for uh, for humorous, the guy that writes the music has been almost the same person every time. Okay. So he like, okay. it's like a John Williams Star Wars thing where every time they're like, here's this brand new story, write what you want with it for okay. the most part. All right, right. so here's your, here's your like 30 second example. For a second or we'll end it there um so this is literally this is what plays the first time you turn the game on so this is like your first impression of it no matter what um as like the title comes up what's off the cuff not really knowing what's going on what's your impression of it it sounds like reflective or sad like something just happened and then like that's someone's reaction to it um, so this is actually the one that you were being explained last uh, night with your trivia crew. Um, so Patrick, how much do you remember? I don't know if you ever like fully, I played this one, played this one. I don't know how much you did. How much do you remember of the purpose of the song? 
Um, well, I'm a I'm a turbo nerd, so I would go back and like fill in all the blanks of the story. Because um, this was one of the games where I wasn't allowed to have my own save file. So when you would go out with your friends or whatever, doing whatever middle schoolers do, I would play through as much of the game as I could without saving it. And then I would get a game over screen. And then it would bring me back to the beginning of the game. So I would stop. There you go. Um, so the whole idea of this one is um, this is this is tells a story. This is a hymn, basically. It's borderline a religious hymn. Um, the it's actually weirdly like the Matrix in terms of the story of it. It's basically this world that's called Spira, and it's intentionally named Spira to be a play on Spiral. Um, so the whole idea is there's this this giant thing or this this like entity that is inevitably always threatening to destroy Spira. Mm -hmm. And there's a specific person that is um kind of like elected by heritage or by just like prominency and stuff like that to be the person that is supposed to um defeat this entity. The entity is called Sin. So it's um there's a lot of religious play on stuff. Um it's their job to do it. But then it's what you find out later on is it's a spiral because the way that they do this is they sacrifice themselves. But as they sacrifice themselves, it reverts and basically starts it over again. So this is like a never ending cycle of there's always, there'll always be a sin and there'll always be someone who has to overcome that. Um, but the song is actually a hymn that's meant to remember the people that are lost over the course of it. So you don't learn that until partway through. So you hear this thing that um, you hear this the whole time and it's very reflective. It's very mournful because it's about people that have been lost. But then like partway through the game, you see this woman in a, uh, or her name's Yuna. She's the character that is like the, the, the big person. Um, she like walks out into this shallow water and she does this almost like ritualistic dance while this song plays and people sing it and their spirits kind of like lift out of the water and get sent. It's called ascending and they get sent away and like they, uh, they move on so they can rest. Um, so it has this very reflective and very like pensive thing. And the thing that I think is so cool is this is a game or a game series. that's like so based in action and intensity and like, Sin is like this giant monstrosity of a thing and you have to fight them, but that's, that's what they choose to open with, um, which I think is really, really cool as it goes. Um, Pat, I don't know if you have any other thoughts in terms of that to chime in on. Um, I was, it made me think of the theme of Final Fantasy VII as well. And some of uh, the one that we're going to talk about is not, it's probably the exact opposite of this example that you started with, but there are moments where a lot of times people associate video games with these big bombastic moments. And some of my favorites from these games and from other ones are the ones where it makes you stop. And as a player, you actually slow down what you're doing to take in the environment and kind of look around. Uh, very effective. Which reminded me a lot of when we interviewed Christopher Tin yesterday, I liked his point of, um, he likes highlighting the positivity or like the happy because his is like he he called his music bombastic and very big but like not not um intense or angry or things like that and he liked playing on that um and he also made the point of games can be art but they don't have to be art i i like the idea i've always appreciated how final fantasy 
for better or for worse, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, tries to tell a larger story or really like make more of a story as it goes. Um, the other thing I think that's really cool about this, I'm going to see if I can actually backtrack and play it a bit more of it. So the song is actually, and you wouldn't know this because it doesn't always play enough. The song is written, it's probably the least rearranged song of any Final Fantasy one. And anytime it's played, it's almost always played as a solo piano part, um, which I appreciate because the simplicity is the important part, but it's also written as a loop because of the whole spiral and spear thing. So the beginning is... So then as it goes, it finds its way back to that motif over and over again. So it's actually a, like a 30 second song, but usually the recordings you hear are roughly three minutes because what it does is it just like, it keeps bringing this back and maybe it brings like the bass tones a little more into the piano, but it's meant to be very reflective as it goes, which I think is very, it's, it's very cool and it's well produced and composed From in that way of it to go nerdier on the music side of things it sounds as though like there are two things that happen um that lend to both the spiral and the seamless nature of it that it almost sounds like it's going around like the circle of fourths like a circle of fourths progression so you have that circle or that spiral but then the reason I think that the, the seamless nature of that loop happens is because instead of your typical five to one cadence, it sounds like there's more of like a, um, it's called so many different things. It can either be called a flat two or a Neapolitan second or a tritone substitution, depending on the world that you're talking in. But instead of a five, you're using the flat two. So it's a half step away from the tonic. So it steps down like this instead of jumps up like that. Um, and this actually happens throughout Final Fantasy VII's orchestrations in the newer games because they want you to experience the same music even if you're going to stay in the same area for 5 to 30 minutes but they'll want you to notice that you're rec recognizing the same music for 5 to 30 minutes. I think it's, it's musically very interesting and practically really effective. On a much simpler level than that, I... Um, I wasn't listening super, super closely, but it's in three, right? So it has that kind of waltzy spin feel to it anyway. Yep. Right. So that probably also contributes as well. It's, there's, they get a lot of mileage out of the, this, the spiral, like cyclical idea of it. There's a lot of, um, even the, the Patrick's like half grinning. Cause he probably knows like the, the goofy, like throw off, um, sport thing that's like a center of entertainment in the game is called blitzball and it's literally played it's so weird to explain but it's like played in a sphere of water that's like floating um but there's this constant idea of like a circle or a sphere or no end to it and this like repetition of the whole thing and they do a really nice job of making it a main part of the story without like detracting from the rest of it um so that was like my first, I just, I, I remember 
I still, and I won't explain it because I don't want to lose Marissa again on the topic, but like I can remember the first time turning the game on, like what it looks like. I can remember the title screen. And it's the first time I feel like I can remember that kind of thing to such a degree because it felt so different. And it was the first time that I really put that time into it to learning the story. It just feels, when you said that was the title sequence music, I was like, really? Are you sure about that one? So I think even just hearing that after everything we've been through this week with all of these like different, really engaging, like upbeat, happy Mario stuff, all the way to Baba Yetu and Civilization, like it's different. And so the the other thing that's very cool, it, similarly to uh, Baba Yetu is a good mention of it. Um, similarly to that, how I don't remember, if, uh, I don't know if you remember, Christopher Tim was talking about when he did Baba Yetu, they asked him to include some yeah. kind of like African fl- uh, vocal kind of stuff and things like that this one was meant to be it's very like island culture-esque it's meant to be um modeled after like island life sort of thing and when it opens it's very bright it's very sunny um the hero of it has like crazy like bleach blonde hair like he looks like a california surfer dude um yeah (laughs) yeah but the the title screen is like them in this like kind of dark very blue very gray battlefield sitting around a fire like looking clearly weathered of something so for that to be what you first see and then you hit start and then all of a sudden you flip to this like bright happy sunny it you immediately want to know how did we get from one to the other in a way that i thought was very cool um okay so shifting from 10 because that was my first one this is seven is arguably the one that people talk about the most final fantasy seven so this is the one that people will want you to know the most about, Marissa, when you get quizzed and trivia after all of this. Um, context, the, maybe you're about to do this, Kev. Sorry. No, go ahead. You're fine. Original Final Fantasy VII came out, oh, I should have looked this up, 97? Something like that. You'll be um, corrected if not. Yes. Um, post it down in the comments below. Uh, <laughs> in like 1997. And... From all accounts, it was like one of the first times where a video game was being advertised outside of video game stores and like on billboards and buses. And and it was a huge thing because it was the first time that Final Fantasy as like a franchise was going to go 3D. Um, All the games before that were used with like 2D sprites. And it was the first one on this like brand new platform. And everyone was like wondering what what it was about and everything like that. Um, and it blew up into arguably one of like the most talked about and most beloved video games of all time. It makes me actually, this is like a weird comparison, but it makes me think of, uh, I talk about a lot in my music and media class, like Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye were the first people that in Motown, like they wanted to write their own music and give their own message, especially Marvin Gaye. Like when he wrote what's going on, it's very reflective and like talking about the world's like, and Motown was like, no one, no one wants to hear what's wrong with the world or what you think they want to like they want to they want to like um they want to listen to let's get it on part two and just like just like really dig this stuff and like have a good time with it um and he went no they're gonna listen and they're gonna be fine and it became this giant thing final fantasy 7 was this like there's this like deeper story to it i remember it was on more than one disc and everyone was like who wants to buy like something that's like three deep like cds that you gotta put in like this is exhausting um, and it was the same thing. Like everyone didn't give it credence and then it became this thing, just like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. Um, 
So like Patrick said, this game has been like, it's in the process of getting remade as it goes. And I think that the music, the music was much farther along compositionally um, than Zelda was when Zelda was first introduced. So it had more to it, but even still, this music has been like reorchestrated and rearranged. And um, this is at a point where it's well known enough that nine times out of 10, uh, when it's recorded for something, it's like the London Symphony Orchestra that's doing it for like their, their published things. So here's your example from Final Fantasy VII. You're re-entering the hot seat. Can I, can I give her, can I toss her a couple bones? I mean, she'll want you to. It's more fun to not, but you can. I think, at least for when I'm listening to this, listen for like Carmina Burana. Like I know what you're going to play. I already know what you're going to play. But okay. I've, I think I've said it for you before. Okay. Carmina Burana, Stravinsky, and what else? Prokofiev, like Romeo and Juliet, Montagues and Capulets. Okay, here you go. I wanted to at least get to a point where we heard the choir to an extent. So um, you know a little bit about it, I guess, because I think I've sent you a recording before, not this week, but what are your, what are your takeaways? Yeah, actually the Stravinsky parallel is pretty, pretty dead on in my opinion. Um, I mean, again, I'm not a video gamer, but like battle action, people are dying. It's intense. This one is probably you're like, I would say if you're if you're looking at the stereotype being the the action and intensive thing, this is definitely on the side of the stereotype. But I would I would argue that this is probably one of the most well known and best created of that stereotype. Like this is the reason that stereotype exists. I would say. Okay. Um, so, Patrick, why don't you give moderate rundown? So the song's called One Winged Angel. Yeah. For the record. Um, Patrick, you can give a little rundown in terms of why it is the way it is. Um, like compositionally or story-wise or? You can do either. I love, I think the composition story is awesome. Um, if you want to, why don't you give a little background on just like elevator pitch of Sephiroth just for the idea of the character it's personifying and then we'll go from there. Um, pa okay. Pause for one second though. Hold on. Just let you know, we are at 23 minutes of podcast without Got our it. garbage at the front. Got it. We can probably, I think we can hit, is 30 short enough? Do you want to do 30 or can we? I think 30 is fine. Yeah, I'm just letting you know. Let's make 30 our hard cut. Okay. And see what we do. Ironically, we have like seven minutes. It's Final Fantasy seven. Seven seconds from the end. Sorry. Oh. Anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> that part. <laughs> yeah, so spoilers. Yeah, um, major spoiler. So Sephiroth, in the prequels is this like heroic war hero um, that everyone wants to be like and everyone looks up to. And then he discovers something about himself that he's not actually 
a human, that he was like a test subject and he goes insane. Um, and then he kind of just spirals into like kind of what Kevin talked about, like the ultimate bad guy um, that if handled differently could be kind of like a parody of himself. Like it's, that's how evil it is. He wants to destroy the planet and all this stuff. So like the predominating characteristic of him from a musical perspective is chaotic. Like he's, he has a plan and it's methodical, but he, he is the person that like shakes up the soda and has not go off the entire time. That's his role. Um, so Patrick and I actually watched, there's this awesome video about the original composition of it. And that's what you were going to mention. I think Pat, why don't you, cause I didn't know this until literally like a week ago, but mention or talk about that video that we both checked out. Um, I'll mention like this for the composition and then I want to mention one like arranging orchestration thing that I love. So the, the there's this video um, on YouTube of the composer talking about how he composed the original in the 90s and he said he literally just would wake up and every morning he would compose two bars of music every day and then the next day he would compose another two bars of music seemingly unrelated and he did that for a stretch of time I think it was like a couple weeks or something and then he just like did like a jigsaw puzzle with him and he had all of his um all of his measures of music and just put them in an order in which he thought would work um which and there's so I think and to go along with what Patrick said like the thing that's wild about it is this thing is so iconic but he talks about like if you really listen to it and especially people who have played the game and know the song a little more inside and out there's like there's like moments there's the the chords that hit on the beat at the beginning there's the trailing woodwind the chromatic stuff that happens and like when you really start to look at it in terms of segments it's super segmented but it feels like it fits so well together but he talked about how like he would have like the woodwind part lead into the hits. And then he was like, well, that doesn't necessarily set the tone the way I wanted to. What if I switch this? So there's like, there's some like scrapbook somewhere that has this song, but like a thousand different variations of it. Cause he would literally just oh. take these puzzle pieces and move them. Um, and one I of his, uh, go ahead. I took a lot of composition class and that was never a technique they taught us. Literally not how you do it. <laughs> um, That's awesome though. It's cool. I'll let Patrick jump back to it. And one of his other big motivations when he first wrote it, and I think it's kind of, it's evolved from this. So I don't think this is necessarily the thing you focus on, but um, he wanted it to sound as close to like rock, like heavy metal kind yeah. of rock music as possible. And then, but with an orchestral flair and that's kind of what it became. Uh, but Pat, go ahead and keep going for, for your thing. Um, and then like arranging wise for a common trope in video games now is like the multi-stage boss fight where you, you have to get a bar down to the bottom and beat the boss. And then the boss comes back again and you do it again and you do it again. And this version of it that Kevin played is like the original, most uh, closely related to the original. And it's actually the third version of the, the piece that they play in the boss fight. Um, so one of the things that the remake does several times where it knows that people love this game for like 20 years and it holds on to the most nostalgic part of things and it just drip feeds it to you for like 10 minutes during this massive epic boss fight and then you get to stage three and it takes a second to breathe and then it just tosses nostalgia in your face and you just like i mean i remember that moment playing that game and my jaw dropped just because, like, the music sounds so good. It's 
these incredible orchestral players bringing this music to life and you're like what is happening and then at the end of it in this version they sneak in like the heroic battle theme that you hear throughout the entire game that never occurred in the original but i'm a total dork i'm getting chills just talking about it and i like want to go hop on the sticks and play but like it slams the the heroic theme in your face as you're like finally winning um to show that like things are shifting and things are um changing like the remake the reason i think that we kevin and i were like wanted to talk about it so much is because i think that musically the music is arguably one of the largest agents of character and change in the remake and the, because it's fully orchestrated and can be realized outside of midi instruments in today's technology it knocks it out of the park it's amazing and I think from a from a comparison standpoint, and we haven't talked about movies yet. Maybe we'll get to this when we do our movie week. My like my all time favorite movie soundtracks is the Lord of the Rings ones because it's written with such heavy influence on leitmotifs. And if you want to throw another, we talked about Stravinsky. If you want to throw another one, Wagner in there. Yeah. Um, I so I'm an interesting case in that I never I have yet to play the original of this game, regardless of how like famous it is. Um, so I actually. I miss things in it or callbacks, but the thing I know most is the music because of the profession that I chose and knowing as big as it was, I listened to the music. So what's fascinating is exactly what Patrick's talking about, where it gives you these little nostalgic moments or it hints and foreshadows musically something that's happening. But because I've listened to the music so much before I've experienced the story, I'm catching it, it would be like if someone laid out the entirety of the soundtrack of Lord of the Rings and then had you watch it the first time and you could pick up beads and like mm. storylines hours before you're supposed to, which is fascinating from a compositional standpoint. Yeah. I, um, no, I don't have a comment. I take it back. Do you have questions? You got a, you got a pretty strenuous, uh, indoctrination class in video games this week i mean it was fun it's interesting i um i think i was saying last night to everyone as i was attempting to get a rundown on this like i didn't even know this world existed in the way that it does like my siblings always played but um it's never been like a focus in my family like no one in my house is ever like sitting in the basement for days at a time playing video games and so getting a real look into not only the world of the music, but also uh, like how, how like truly interesting they are and how invested everybody is in the emotional connections. Like it's been, it's been a really interesting week for me overall, so. And kind of in an attempt to kind of find our way to like a, a wrap up point. Um, I think the best thing I could say to that is that I, I'm like a big proponent. I think this says a lot about, I say this a lot in band also that um, music or video games or any kind of media, you get, you get out of it what you put in. And it's very, very easy to sit down and just like go through the motions of something like this. But the thing I think is so interesting is if you want to sit down and look at like a story or an emotional story that you're watching, but not only watch it unfold, but like be, take ownership over it happening. Um, there's a lot there. Like it becomes your soundtrack to the story that's happening, not just the soundtrack of the game. Um, and I think it's the same thing when you're performing music. Like you can play an emotional thing and you're playing things that are written that have 
that are about life experiences that you've never had. But if you really try and put yourself in that position of emoting that feeling and emotion coming out of it, you get to experience it on a different level. I think the same can be said with games in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a larger debate that we've touched on a little bit this week, but yeah, certainly. Maybe a later topic. <laughs> um, awesome. Patrick, any closing comments on uh, Final Fantasy or video game music at large? Um, I think, no, I mean, I, I'm just super happy to have gotten a chance to like talk about this music in a, because there are certain times when I hear um, reviews of video games and, and the reviewers will be like, the music's incredible. And then I, on my big high horse with my degrees and my education, I'm like, is it really that good though? And then I sit down and I'm like crying as I'm playing these games, which I'll admit, like I, there are plenty of, I mean, we've talked plenty about it, Kev, but like there are games that you experience this emotional response. And I think that I did disclaimer I showed I showed Marissa the beginning of Last of Us before we started this whole thing so she could get a good framework of what you can put into a game I also cried at that so it's fine yeah Yeah. you you cry a lot during that game but that's I think (laughs) the thing is oftentimes um I mean I I grew up seeing video games invalidated as um just like brain melting garbage which it definitely has the capacity to do that but um you know i saw a tweet one time from uh, this japanese flutist uh that she grew up with her teachers and her parents telling her that she should stop playing video games and never think about playing video game music on her flute because it's not worthwhile and then she's like 20 years later i'm playing in like a japanese philharmonic orchestra playing the soundtrack to uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch. Um, so how's that for you? And like, it turned around and now she's playing one of the best video game soundtracks and like, things like that. I think it's, there's a reason why it speaks to so many people. And um, so I appreciate the opportunity to nerd out in both of my nerdiest uh, avenues in my life simultaneously. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a we had a good week kind of giving it it was fun for us both as a, a deep dive for something that I specifically enjoy and something that Marissa was willing to learn a lot about in a week span of time and get some other people on. Um, and it was cool for us just to experiment with bringing other people on and chatting and seeing what it was like to do some extra stuff on the side. So um, this might be something that uh, we probably won't do like full blown like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday hits terribly often but something that we might kind of do some offshoot things of other games and stuff like that um so thank you for letting us try it out in light of everything happening um next week we're back to normal wednesday at 2 30 uh, marissa who do we have with us next wednesday we have um scott sheriff who is carrie underwood's keyboardist yeah so we have our normal live stream on YouTube. Uh, we're going to interview him. So if you have any kind of questions, you can uh, drop a message to, I feel like in this moment, I should say Mr. Fair or Miss G, not Kevin and Marissa. But if you want to drop a message to us, any questions that you have or um, stop by the live stream so you can ask them there, uh, we can do that. And that would be great. So thank you, Patrick, again. And uh, thank, thank you. you all for watching. <laughs>